Here's what to expect when we don't know what you're expecting, written by Locked on Flames. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked on Flames. Thank you so much for joining us as we uh, really head into the final stretch of the offseason here. There are two Flames games on tonight, and we're going to talk about the potential team that they may become and blossom into. But of course, before we do that, Nick, how are you? I'm good. I'm tired like everybody else. And if you're in the Northeast, you're getting very tired of this rain. Yes, absolutely. And uh, before we dive into things, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your favorite podcasts because we are free 99 on your favorite platforms and, of course, on YouTube. And we're getting ahead of ourselves, I think, based on a 10 nothing win against some children <laughs> from, from Vancouver. The preseason is really hard to tell anything from, especially this early. When we get mm-hmm. later on and teams are dressing lineups that are relatively close to what their opening night lineup's going to look like, okay, then we can make some determinations about who looks good and who doesn't. But a lot of these teams are running split squad games where they're only going to have a couple regulars in each lineup. I know a bunch of teams are doing this. The Flames are one of them. Pittsburgh and Columbus are doing this. Where Basically what you do in spring training in baseball, where you split your team in half, they play two games in one day, so you get an extra look at a handful of guys. When you're a team like the Flames, that's going to have four, maybe three spots that are really up for grabs. You're really, you really want to give that bottom half of camp a real look at who's going to get an opportunity to get those spots. Sure, there are favorites. We, we assume we have a good idea of who's going to make the team, who the 12 forwards and six defensemen are. We don't know about the goalies, but that's a different story for a different conversation. But all you can take from the preseason, guys don't get hurt. And occasionally, if you see flashes, if you see stuff, there are certain things that no matter what the game situation are, they look good. Like Coronado just letting it rip, the shot looks good. Even if he's shooting on, you know, if he's shooting on a garbage can between the net, it still looks good coming off his stick. It explodes off his stick. It looks dynamic. That's really about the extent of the educational or instructional. informational, instructional, whatever, informational, instructional, educational value of watching preseason of any sport. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, like you said, it's way too early to tell what this team is going to be because not only are you dressing random players, you, most of these guys aren't going to be playing even in the AHL. They'll probably be assigned back to their junior teams or, wherever else they belong. And one thing I found really interesting about uh, just some quotes from practice over the weekend was they're changing this whole thing up. It's going to be not, hopefully not last year. No. And that that's part of why I wanted to talk about this on today's episode is just a, a genuine philosophical shift. The flames for the last couple of years under Daryl have been very tight. They don't concede a lot, but they also don't, generate a lot because mm-hmm. of that trade-off and they have made the pri- the determination 
that that is their best path to victory in today's NHL based on the talent they had and what the coach was comfortable with doing that we're not going to, we're going to play very rigid, tight, structured defense. We are going to play a very replicable and a very simple style because we don't have high end players, especially mm-hmm. last year where you lose two really high end players who are great at carrying the puck through the neutral zone. So we say, okay, what can we do? We're pretty good in a straight line. We can win puck battles. So we probably should be a dump and chase type of team. We need to keep it simple and overwhelm teams through effort and attrition, simple attrition. (laughs) That's why you play that type of hockey, the dump and chase style, because you can do it over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually you can wear the other team down. And because you're so rigidly structured, you think that you can break the other team out of their structure. And that's where your opportunities will come from. But there were points last year where it was just untenable to keep playing that way because they could not get pucks to the net and they could not score with any real consistency. (laughs) Sure. There was some bad luck involved that some guys just couldn't buy a goal. And that happens, especially when the entire team is trying to you're what the harder you swim against the current, the quicker you're going to get pulled out type of thing happened to them last year. But that's really the type of team the vast majority of teams in the NHL are going to play as because they don't have the high-end players. Having those high-end players is the key to getting to that higher plane of existence in the NHL that a lot of teams would like to get to, but just simply aren't. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what we talked about pretty early on in the summer, uh, just about drafting and how you have to really – Make sure that you are investing your draft picks wisely and not just that, but developing them to make them reach their full potential. And for the Flames to go from division champions to the laughing stock of the league just next to Arizona, they can redeem themselves this year. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but as long as they go out there and put forward a strong effort, I'm not overly concerned. This is where you get to that foundational understanding. Who are we? What do we want to do? What are we good at? And you have to make that calculus. Mm -hmm. Well, can we play this type of hockey? What type of impact is that going to have on the other aspects of our game? It's very easy to say, well, they didn't score enough last year. So we need to go. We need to prioritize creating better offense, meaning more dangerous scoring chances. But if you do that, most teams, when they make that trade-off, they're going to concede more defensively. If you're going to generate more offense, is it going to be at the expense of defense? And how much of that defense can you afford to have that trade-off from? That's kind of the double-edged sword here because you need offense to win, but you also need to have a somewhat decent defense that can kind of bail your goaltender out sometimes. And especially as Markstrom gets older and hopefully bounces back this year, you know, you can't really afford to move away too far away from that. I don't think. No. Yeah. The reason you can't fully move away from it. And we're going to talk about this more as we talk about other teams around the NHL. Mm -hmm. That's what the flames are equipped to do. This is the personnel they have. And you got to assume that, 
because Huska has worked with Daryl, he's going to come from that school of thought. Traditionally speaking, your associate coaches are going to run systems derivative off of what they know. And because Huska has been in the Flames organization for a number of years, because he worked with Daryl, you're going to assume he's going to run some derivative of that. Probably not the same exact thing, but the responsibilities, the assignments, that, that type of stuff is going to probably be similar. I mean, you don't want to completely throw your entire roster into a whole new system and just be like, okay, here you go. Here's three weeks of camp. Hope you can figure this out and expect them to succeed. I think, you know, adjustments along the way are just the way to go. It's You don't need to just rebuild everything from scratch. It's not feasible to do that either, frankly. You have too many guys who have been in the league for too long. It's going to be uh, the, the expression about teaching an old dog new tricks. It, with athletes at a certain point, they are who they are. Mm-hmm. So to get them to play a different way, it, to get that level of buy-in, there's got to be some kind of trade-off there. you got to find a way to get the guys to believe in what you're explaining to them while also still maximizing what they're good at. Like, I, I'm, well, I, I, we'll talk about it now. Like what Kuznetsov said over the weekend about Laviolette kind of forcing guys into roles they weren't particularly well-suited for, yeah. and that's going to have a drag. The most talented player in the world, if you ask them to do something they're not good at, they're not going to be as good. That cliche thing people always share on Facebook about if you ask a fish to climb a tree, you're going to be disappointed with the results. It's true. If, if you ask an offensively inclined forward, hey, I need you to play a better 200-foot game, sure, maybe they're pretty good at that, but you're not going to get as many points because you're asking them to play better defense. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to continue this talk uh, from a league-wide standpoint coming up next here on Locked On Flames. And before we do that, though, we are going to take a quick break, and I'm going to talk to you about Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones, especially during this gross cold and flu season that we are approaching. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five antibiotics for you and gives you peace of mind so that you aren't just hoping that you have access to medication. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand and Jace Medical is pretty simple to use. They handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Get $20 off on these antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Thanks everyone for hanging out with us today on Locked on Flames. And today we're, we're talking systems. We're talking style. This is, this is your forte. Yeah, because this is one of the tangible ways that somebody who's not in the room can kind of assess what teams are doing. There hasn't been the kind of schematic philosophical revolution in hockey the way there has been in the other sports you think about baseball how it's the three true outcomes now it's either strikeout walk or home run basketball the emphasis on the three-pointer football the spread offense there is yet to be that type of evolution in hockey for the most part teams either dump and chase controlled zone entry or they have a lineup that's deep enough where they can do both. We've seen versions of that where Tampa won two Stanley Cups where their top six was really good at carrying the puck through the neutral zone, generating offense that was particularly dangerous because they didn't have to work to regain the puck. 
But then they would send the Gord Coleman and Gaudreau line out there to cycle the other team into oblivion. You think about what the Flames did last year with their third line, Amanjapani, Backlund, and Coleman doing a take on that effectively, where the underlying metrics are going to be outstanding because you're in the offensive zone a good 60% of the time. And that's not even talking about like the scoring chances, the chances you create. It's just if you're not playing defense, you cannot be conceding, which is generally the advantage of this dump and chase type of style. And you see certain types of teams have to play this way. Carolina in particular is the mm -hmm. other team that's played very similar to the way the Flames have the last couple of years. And it's partly because they don't have that number one elite top 10 player in the sport type of player like a Gaudreau or a Kachok or a McDavid or a Dreisaitl or a Bergeron or whomstever who is great at carrying the puck into the zone with speed and making plays off of that. That is typically what sets apart the best players in the world from the good players and further down is those guys, the one-man zone entries, the Jack Hughes, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, you give them the puck in their own zone or the neutral zone, they can use their speed or size, in the case of McKinnon, to mm -hmm. go through or around guys, wait for everybody else to catch up to them in the zone, and then make plays off of that. The Flames don't have a guy who can do that type of thing and didn't last year, which is why they lean so hard into this dump and chase style. You can be a good regular season team playing this way. Carolina has won the Metro division a couple of times. They've made two conference finals. They are the best case scenario for this type of hot. The issue comes into, and what we're going to talk about more in the third segment, is when you run into the team that's great at maintaining control of the puck, mm -hmm. when they can skate through the zone with speed, they make plays using their speed, that's where those types of dump and chase teams run into problems. You think about Edmonton two years ago in the playoffs where they – skated around the flames and wore them down with okay you want to dump the puck all we got to do is recover and get it back out and we can go back to offense carolina has run into this issue where against florida florida said you want to dump the puck okay we can skate pretty well we'll recover this and go back the other way there are limitations to the dump and chase style of play but teams typically have to play this way so those limitations are kind of part of the calculus you can't ask a good hockey player to do what you ask a great hockey player to do. You think about the difference between the best players in the world and that next tier down. Every team's got decent players. You think about a Vinny Trocek or a Yanni Gord. They don't have any elite traits. They're really good at everything. They're not great at anything. Those are the types of players that thrive in this environment because then it comes down to effort, conditioning, endurance, that type of stuff where it just comes down to mental fortitude, which mm -hmm. the teams that are really good at this, like Carolina, have really instilled. You think about how active Carolina is, especially on the forecheck, where it's like a buzzsaw. You turn, oh, yeah. you recover the puck below your goal line, your defenseman turns to try and locate his forwards, and he's already got two guys on him. He's already mm -hmm. getting swarmed, and it becomes really challenging to break out. Yeah, and... It's definitely hard to watch when, you know, a team is willing to go up against you and play golden retriever in this game of fetch. And it makes your life a million times harder because if you're playing in the Pacific Division, you're not playing against teams like Carolina or, you know, their level of competitiveness yeah. Um, unless you're looking at Vegas, but that's, they're a whole different, 
ball game there. But I think what's going to be interesting is to watch how the Flames do transition into hopefully an effective um, style system, anything just give us something and hopefully, you know, I'd love to see Jonathan Huberto give us more of the playmaking skills that we know he has. And I I mean, again, preseason is preseason, but he had confidence last night. He looked, he looked happy, scored two goals against babies, but he still went out there. And I just, I don't know. I appreciate that Steven Huska is kind of believing in this team, uh, especially in his media availability and not just uh, forgetting who Matthew Coronado is. Baby steps. That that's that baby steps in every part of this. There is going to be an adjustment period. You mentioned it in the first segment. I'll reiterate it now. Typically speaking, when you have a new coach, your first month is going to be bumpy. You assume because the coach is going to be running similar systems, you uh, probably the language and rules within said system are similar, that it won't be as steep of an adjustment curve as some of the other tra- changes that we've seen in the offseason, where you think about the Rangers going from Gallant to uh, Laviolette. You think about... Try to make the, some practice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You think about some of the other more drastic changes. You operate under the assumption that the, the ideas are going to be similar. And we will end on this note, that the idea... What a system, generally speaking, is just a set of rules. The idea that when you're in this situation, you do this, when you're in that situation, you do that. Really simple. It's really easy to explain in football terms because football is the easiest version of this because the rules are very simple. If someone goes here, you go there. If they come into your zone, you pass them off to the person next to you as they enter the next zone. Mm -hmm. It's really simple to explain it in that way. And then the language, just the words you use to describe things are, you would assume are similar because they're coming from the same place. You would assume there's not going to be an overhaul in the language within the system, which should help the adjustment period of these guys getting acclimated. Sure, the rules might be slightly different, the responsibilities, what you're told to do in certain situations. Those types of things might change slightly. But it's not an entirely new process, which you're going to see some of the teams with brand new coaches out there struggle with. Yeah, so I think it'll be interesting, you know, to come back in like the second week of November and kind of compare the Flames to other teams that have new coaches, because uh, it's always nice to see where you kind of fall in the other transitional period teams. And coming up next, we are going to wrap up the show with teams that just take control and give most teams a run for their money. But before we do that, I'm going to talk to you about our friends at FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's that's a lot of bets that you can make happen and bring to life. So... All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overs, over, unders, and more. And uh, Nick, did you have any good bets this weekend? I took a bath over the weekend, which if you're familiar with the par- the uh, parlance, I did not have a good weekend. But Jalen Warren last night saved me. Uh, he was over 16 and a half receiving yards. He ended with 18. So not a total loss this weekend. 
Wonderful. So you can get your sports betting on on FanDuel.com. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off your season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us today on Locked On Flames. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your shows because we're back five days a week. We're here. We're in your walls. <laughs> Just like these teams we're going to talk about. Yeah, that, this is where you get into the idea of being able to do both. You mentioned before mm-hmm. briefly, Vegas was able to do both well last year. Where If it came down to a rock fight, they would get down in the dirt with you, win those puck battles in the corners. And then when it came time, all right, we're going to get the puck to our best players. They're going to make plays using their, sp- their speed and size to j- create off of that. Tampa did this very well. Colorado did this very well. Generally speaking, to win a Stanley Cup, you need to be able to do both to some degree. You don't need to be great at both like Tampa was, but you do need to have an element of dump and chase to your game because that is typically where you find that secondary offense that typically separates the good teams from the great teams deeper in the postseason. Because you get deeper into the playoffs – Teams, best players, they cancel each other out for the most part. They're going against each other. You can expect the output to be similar in terms of offensive production. It's can your third line chip in that one more goal that the other teams can? Can your fourth line find you a goal? And those are the typically where you're going to find the dump and chase style of players because if they could play that high leverage, skate the puck, make plays happen, they would be in your top six. We right. live in a salary cap world where there's a limit on how much good talent you can have. So you're never really – until we get to either a point where the salary cap isn't as much of a barrier or every player is just that good of a skater, you're going to have to have some element of this to your game. It just – it makes sense for it to be part of your game. Like you said, there's going to be situations where it, it just makes sense to do that, to just dump the puck and – Again, just go play fetch. There's no, I mean, there is a a system to success. We've seen teams do it. But if you're in, I feel like if you're in a position where there really isn't another option, I I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't get, like, I wouldn't be upset if the Flames were trying to make a play happen and they didn't. They were like, screw it. Like, it's not the end of the world. That trade-off is where coaches... But that that trade-off is where you find a coach's limitations. If mm-hmm. your coach is willing to let your players make mistakes, that is typically, and I prefer that in all honesty. I would rather a coach who is flexible, allows mistakes, allows opportunities to make up for mistakes, as opposed to the rigid disciplinarian type where right. once you make one mistake, it takes you a while to get back to where you were in the pecking order. Because sports are fundamentally creative. You want guys to make plays happen. Mm -hmm. The best players in the world are able to make plays outside of structure because of how much better they are than everybody else. You need systems and you need structure because everybody cannot do what the best players in the world do. You see those plays outside of structure where a player can kind of make a game happen for themselves and other guys just kind of follow them. Those are the players that you build your team around. When you don't have those types of guys, you do need to be able to fall back on your system, to be able to fall back on, okay, I have the puck here. I'm being pressured, so the puck needs to go here. The very simple, the basics, the rules. When my guys look up with the puck and try and locate other guys, do they know where they're going to be? 
and are they where they're supposed to be? Those are the fundamental ideas of having a strong system. You can make plays outside of that system, but it's there for you to fall back on and to lean on when you're in a difficult situation. Right. Like you said, I would much rather have a coach that has that wiggle room. And I mean, in any situation, I feel like in normal life, mistakes happen. They're going to happen in games too. So, you know, there's no point in holding that against someone. It's a teaching moment, a moment to learn from. And there's just not enough talent. Banish your players to the bench when mistakes happen. That's another good point you should add as an addendum to what I just said. There are some teams you can't afford to do the the rigid learning process with the younger mm-hmm. guys and some guys who maybe doesn't don't have the benefit of the doubt. The Flames are going to need Coronado and Peltier to be relatively important contributors. Mm-hmm. We're, like we said last week, we, we're not expecting for 20, 25, 40, between 25 and 30 goals combined. You get mm-hmm. 20 total from the two of them. That's a good season. You build off of that. To get there, there are going to be hiccups. You're going to assume that neither is going to start on the power play off the rip. You're mm-hmm. going to defer to your your established players. And as they build confidence or play well, they'll get further opportunities to advance in the lineup, okay. which is going to require them making plays. And to make plays, fundamentally, you are taking a risk. It's a matter of your appetite for that risk as a coach that's going to determine a lot of how you make your decisions. Exactly. And I... I don't know. It's again, it's too early to determine what kind of route the flames are going to take and uh, whatnot, but it feels like Ryan Huska is going to be a little bit uh, more. I don't want to say lenient because I mean, forgiving because I mean, anyone was, is going to be more forgiving than Daryl Sutter at the very least you have a better philosophy. You have a better Mm -hmm. concept where he's not just going to argue with guys. He's not going to do the rigid disciplinarian thing because that's part of like his shtick. And to reduce someone's personality to shtick is kind of unfair because it doesn't give them an opportunity to answer back. But Daryl's doing a bit effectively. He acts the way he does because he feels like he needs to. You hope that Huska is able to find a better a better medium approach. approach. Yeah. That's a better word, a better resting approach, a better baseline mm-hmm. for getting more out of their guys because last year they weren't able to get the best out of the team. So you need to fundamentally reapproach how you're doing this. We're assuming they're going to trade off some defense for some offense that they're going to try and possess the puck a little bit more as opposed to dump it. And mm-hmm. in theory, be able to create more dangerous scoring chances because they don't have to go and recover the puck. Yeah, and again, like you said, first month of the season is going to be a bumpy ride, but that doesn't mean the whole thing's going to be bumpy. And if you come out of the gate, you know, a good month, doesn't mean it's going to stay like that. I mean, we did see the Flames lose seven straight after they started uh, red hot. So at the end of the day, it's all about, again, teaching, learning, and implementing new ways to get the job done. And I'm looking forward to watching whatever the Flames decide to do. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a change from last year. And nothing was um, as unbearable as that. So we're, you know, moving in a slightly positive direction. But 
that will do it for us today on Locked on Flames. Thank you so much for hanging out with us as we talked all about systems and just basic fundamentals of uh, the NHL. So make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, on YouTube as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at Jeff Belmosto and at Nick Zararis. Thank you for watching if you're on YouTube and if you are listening you should give us a five-star rating on uh, Apple and Spotify because it takes two seconds to do. So thank you. And Nick, do you have any parting words? Um, All the buzzwords you think about on your resume. That's what we need from the Flames. We need collaboration. We need teamwork, initiative. We need all of those buzzwords from, from your resume. There we go.